This episode is brought to you by Rick's Eyewear. Eyewear that inspires confidence. If you would like to buy some premium eyewear, sunglasses, blue light frames, prescription, head online now, rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. Caps has been Australia's home of headwear since 2012. From snapback to fitted, curved peak to flat peak, our hats will fit anyone and everyone. Since then, we've grown and evolved into the leaders of US sports apparel in Australia. Head online at caps.com.au and check it out. Righto, let's get into the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of Aces in Business. I do have to say an apology for last week, Tommy. I left you hanging with uh, Nick and Dan Russian, but mate, you held the fort. High and dry, mate. You High and dry. The call of the day It was before. one of our best episodes and I wasn't here because I was sick. Ratings through the roof. Yeah, my, oh my God, mate. <laughs> it you wasn't take, a guest, mate. It was the host. I know. And you always worry about your own hosting and your own sort of skill on your own. But, mate, you are more than comfortable. But a great episode, listeners. One to check out if you're very interested in the hospitality space. Two, two of the best in the business, especially in Melbourne. They, they really do run the show. But more importantly, I'm very excited today because a friend of mine, uh, an absolute genius, I think, but not just here for his good looks and his great smile, but a very, very smart and calculated man and the, the co-founder of Alaya, uh, the skinwear brand, the, the beauty brand, I guess, the product. It's it's amazing the journey that it's been on. But more importantly, James, thank you for coming on the show, mate. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thank you, boys. Absolute, pleasure, absolute pleasure, mate. Now we've um we've crossed paths a lot of times over the past few years, so I feel like I've seen um your journey grow with this product and brand for a while. But without knowing any of the detail, we're going to have to go into it because I'm fascinated by it. But mm-hmm. outside of I guess uh, the product and what you do, mate, where you can you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, yep. for those so, that so don't know you. Born and raised in uh, in Melbourne. Um, family kind of guy, love spending time with the fam and, and my parents and brothers and sisters. And I've got a lot of cousins being Lebanese culture. Um, and really just, uh, just love having a good time, love traveling, um, love sports. Um, and just love being with the boys. Uh, yeah. Having a good time. <laughs> we love sports. Now are you an American sports fan as well? Yeah. Yeah. I actually that. just went to, uh, the Super Bowl in February Oh man, uh, so to jealous. watch the, to watch the Rams and uh, the Bengals. That was a great experience. Oh, man. Um, big NBA fan as well. LeBron James, yeah. like, enthusiast, <laughs> I think, to yeah. put big, it lightly. Yeah. What, is, big what are your thoughts on him not making the playoffs? It's uh, I feel like a lot of it is to blame on the coach. A lot of it is to blame on, uh, on, on Russell Westbrook. But I think, I think that he definitely has a lot of, uh, like, a lot of blame on himself as well for, for putting that team together. Mm. Him and Russ play too much of a same position and it just didn't work well. Like yeah. that was never really going to work. Everyone said it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Um, but I think he's still got a few years left. Oh, I wow. Think he's got it's a f- crazy to me how he's like- I think he's got a few do years you, left. Like for you, because I know we've grown up, in the, we've all grown up in the generation where LeBron's been the guy, but like they, even like in the soccer world with Cristiano Ronaldo and stuff, these guys at that age playing at the level they do, mm. it's fascinating to me now because like 10 years ago, people were retiring like- Modern medicine, ret- retired at 28 over here. People just forget how old he is. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's 36 years old or 37, I think now. Or in December, he's 37. And to be doing what he's doing, it's just, it's never going to happen again. Yeah. And uh, I think he's, yeah, he's just really like um, had an exceptionally long um, career. And he's but, been successful every year. But one thing that I kind of hate is that we judge people on their age, not their performance. Mm. I don't know why we all turn on blokes 
when it's like, like their ages, you know, say they're over 32 or three, as soon as an AFL player doesn't get 30, oh, he's getting old and slow. Mm. Yeah. NBA, oh, he's getting old and slow. It's time for him to wrap it up, move him mm. out of the key position, get him off the bench. Like, it just should be performance-based. And LeBron, he had fucking one of the best seasons of no, all time. Oh, yeah. He ain't slowing down. He might have five left in him, the way he's I going. I feel like he's just going to keep evolving his game to be effective too. Like, even if he's not contributing one area, yeah. he's still going to, you know, run the court. Have you yeah. been to many games and what was the what was your best game you've ever been to? I've uh, been to a bunch of NBA games, but probably probably when I went to, I think it was Lakers versus uh, Clippers opening round two years ago. I was there with I was there. That Kauai. That's oh, what yeah, I met you. You were a few of the other boys. Yeah, with, with Timmy and Harry. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that was that was probably the best NBA game I've been to. Absolutely. Even though it was a Clippers home game, it was still so loud and there were a lot of Mate, Lakers yeah. supporters. Um and I guess like the anticipation of Having a super team for both LA teams w- was quite remarkable, but they just do it a lot better over there. Do you remember Kawhi coming out at the start and he's like got the mic and he's just so, <laughs> yeah, so was, that, was that the hey hey hey? No, it wasn't. No, that wasn't game, that. Was oh, thank God, he's, he's very old. Mate, it's like, not his thing. He just said something like, "What's up?" <laughs> he's just not made for that kind yeah. of stuff. Oh, I actually want to ask you too, just from because I know you both have gone to a lot of American sport. You both love America and been there more than me. One as like a viewer going to one of the one of the sports. Which one is the best to experience? Experience, like not just like the sport itself, but the whole experience of being there. And two, as like a business operation, which sort of sport, American sport organization impresses you the most? Out of NFL and NBA? Everything. Any any American sport, baseball, UFC, whatever uh, it is. I would, I would probably say like in terms of watching, I think NFL is a better sport overall. Um, it's so technical that it's such a team sport and like every single play counts. There's only 17 games a year. Yeah. Whereas the NBA, there's 82 games. They're not even trying half the time until playoffs. Um, but as a, as a live sport, I would say NBA is a better live sport just because of the crowd, the atmosphere. It's quick. But I haven't been to, I haven't been to say Arrow, Arrowhead in, in Kansas. Mm. I've been to uh, the Ram Stadium and the Chiefs uh, and the Chargers Stadium. So it's, you know, LA supporters aren't as uh, crazy as, say, yeah. some of the other, you know, uh, cities right. in the US. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree with that. I think NFL is uh, it's more important. Each game matters much more. And But in terms of entertainment, they're both really good. But I mean, NBA, it's almost just as entertaining when they're not playing basketball. Yeah, yeah. The shit it's like doing. a soap opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. stuff that's, you know, kiss cam and dance cam and whatever cam. And there's something going on on the court. They're doing giveaways, blindfolding people. The, the AFL should take, a, you know, a little bit of a few notes, but... I love when they do something at quarter time breaks and all that. It's actually really entertaining, especially when you're sitting down having a beer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nonstop action. Do you for know two, what's three interesting? Hours. Our mutual friend, Tommy Bug, he told me, like, he's one of his best, and obviously it's a bit foreign to us, but the UFC, like, that whole experience as well. Mm. He was telling me about it. I'm like, mate, that blew my mind. It's like mm. a bucket list thing you almost have to go to the way it's run, the whole entertainment factor behind the fights. Yeah. But again, it's like different arenas have different experiences. Like I've been to Madison Square Garden for the UFC, one of the best experiences I've ever had. Then I've been to uh, T-Mobile Arena and it just wasn't anywhere as good. Yeah. Because the New York fans are just, they're in another another planet. Like they are absolutely (laughs) crazy people. And the crowd and just like the sound in Madison Square Garden is something that you like, that's why there's a reason as to why it's the best arena in the world. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to talk about, before we get into business, Let's I do want it. to talk about um, your father and how he's uh, he's the king. He's the king with the poker. Um, mm-hmm. But first of all, without talking about your old man, how do you go when you play poker? 
I'm probably the worst in the family. Really. <laughs> but yeah. in, when you say that, are you still very good? <laughs> no, nah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not very good. I'm, I'm, I'm an okay player at best, but my brothers are, are you know, pretty good. One of them particularly is um, his, I think his like mindset with the game is, you know, second to none and he understands the game really well. He, uh, I think he had like a 79th finish in a WSOP main event maybe two years ago out of like wow. 6,500 and that was, so that was equivalent to the, that was the same tournament that my dad won. Back in 2005. Um, and, you know, he was only 22 at the time. Um, so he's probably he's probably the best, but they're both very good. Daniel, uh, my middle brother, is probably best at cash, uh, better at cash games. Mm -hmm. And Anthony, my oldest brother, is probably better at tournaments. That's crazy. Yeah, so they're quite competitive between them. Is it like is it like every other sport, like the more time and effort and like training you do, you get better? 100%. Or is it so it is? You guys both know as professional athletes, you know, in, 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 in your time that, Nothing comes easy, and unless you're constantly studying and practicing, you will not be mm. able to keep up with the competition. You need to be obsessive, don't you? Hundred mm. percent. You need to be obsessive. You need to like both of them watch YouTube videos. They both read books. They both play all the time. And if they weren't, if they didn't, so then they wouldn't be anywhere as good as what they are now. Yeah. Um, and for them, like they both have full time jobs. They run businesses. But. Uh, they're able to just use poker on the side as just, you know, like a hobby where they can make some money from it because they're good. Yeah. So is it, is it like, de is it deemed a sport? Like really? Because A lot of people are trying to, you know, a lot of people are trying to fight for that in Australia. And, yeah. and the fact that it got banned a few years ago uh, or maybe actually eight years ago now is, is interesting because they allow sports bet and all these other betting agencies like Ladbrokes and Betfair, but they banned online poker. Right. So they didn't want, I guess, you know, sports bet and all these other companies, they didn't really want. Uh, they didn't want the competition um, okay. because it was blowing up in Australia at one point. Like poker stars were, I think they sold, they ended up selling for 4.3 billion eight years ago. And that's just <laughs> eight what, years ago. Yeah, eight that's years unbelievable. Ago. So it, it's, it's a, it's a money-making machine. But the best thing about poker, the reason why they say it's a sport, it's because it's me versus you. Yeah. When, when you're gambling, actually gambling, you're playing against the casino. So you're against the house. So you can never win against the house. Whereas even though... You, you guys may not be good as, as good as me at poker. You can still potentially beat me in a tournament. Right. Yeah. Like the best players don't win all the time because there's a little bit of luck involved, but it's always like, it's all, we're always playing against each other. And the only way the casinos and, and, and make money in poker is they just take a little clip, like a very small clip of the, of the actual prize pool. But they don't, um, they only, they only run poker tournaments just to bring people into the casino. They don't actually, they don't profit from it. Because mm. it's just not profit. They would rather have a blackjack table there, yeah, right, in Crown rather than a poker table where they're making five dollars a hand. Yeah, so idiots like me walk in and just go, <laughs> not again. <laughs> what would be yeah for, for us idiots that play? What what's like the most important aspect of poker, like to, or a tip that you could give oh, the, the average patient, player? Patience is probably the biggest key when you're when you're a beginner, um, and also like trying to concentrate on the table to see if you can find out any tells from anyone else on the table. Do you find it really tough playing with a lunatic like myself who comes in and just going wild and you just like can't read the moves? <laughs> yeah, but in the long run, you always get beaten yeah. because there will come a time where I actually do have something and you'll just be beaten like most of the time. Like yeah. out of 10 times, if you're playing badly, then you know you only have a chance to win three out of 10, I reckon. So a once-off game wouldn't be the easiest game, would it? No, it wouldn't be, but it would, it would still be, you know, you could still have some sort of hope of winning. Yeah. Some sort of hope. If you ran like really good and you got a lot of good cards and I made a mistake, for instance, or I wasn't, you know, aggressive enough. Yeah. So there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. That's why they say it's a sport because there's a lot of like technicalities to it with the thinking um, rather than just 
what cards you've got. Right. Whereas yeah. blackjack is just pure pure luck. Actually, even in blackjack, you can improve your odds in blackjack if you play perfect blackjack. You can take it from like a 40, I think the, the odds are 51-49, so 51% in favor of the casinos. That's if you play perfect. If you play badly like I do, I'm not a good blackjack <laughs> player, well, then my odds may be only 45%. Right. So it's funny when you break all down, you know, oh, mate. It's, it's almost boring. His brain is moving at a different pace talking about <laughs> oh, that I'm to us. I'm going to crown it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I appreciate you sharing. And, and when you play poker, you've played with a lot of people, a lot of fun games, some serious games, but um, who are some of the coolest people that you've played poker with personally? Mm, I would say probably when I was younger, when Australia was at the peak, uh, we had like a small, like fun game with Matt Damon. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Zach Efron. Um, they're probably the two biggest, like like Hollywood global stars. And then we went to dinner with them and and so on. And they were really nice guys. But as I've gotten older, um, probably had the chance and opportunity to play with a lot of cool athletes and cool people through Shane Warne, um, you know, the legend. Um, and, you know, we were lucky enough to play home games with him once a month in his garage, in his house, and he would just always have, you know, so someone cool there, whether they be like an international cricket star or an athlete or an actor or an actress or a DJ. Um, so, yeah, we were fortunate enough to, to be part of that home game and, you know, meet a lot of cool people. It is such sad news for everyone. He's such a such a king, and he'll be um, you know, sorely lost. Absolutely. Just on Shane, he's uh, – I don't know him. I've never met him Uh I used to live with Toby Green. He's met him. Everyone I know that that's met him, he's just he's. They've all got stories about Shane. Have you got? I mean, you just gave us a bit of an insight. But what was Shane like as a person? And then also, what are the coolest? Uh, some of the coolest times you've spent with Shane? Uh, as a person, he was one of the most like generous, caring, kind people I've ever met. Like he honestly, he did a lot for me, and I, I felt so lucky just to to be you know, in his life, but he also treated me like a son at, at times. Um, you know, it was only three months ago where I messaged him and I was in London. I said, look, do you mind if I stay at your place? And he, he replied within a minute and said, of course, you can stay there for as long as you want. Um, and uh, I think, you know, if, if you don't know him, the one thing that a lot of people you heard a lot since his past was that like how close he was with his kids yeah. and how much of a family man he was. Like he loved them, you know, his kids so much. And he would do anything about like for them. And, and I guess like his legacy was always his kids. Like mm -hmm. that's all he cared about. He didn't care about the life that he lived. He never bragged. Like the fact that he could just like, I could be at a poker game with him and he could be messaging Ed Sheeran in front of me. Like yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? Like that doesn't happen with anyone. Um, but he didn't even talk about it. He yeah. didn't brag. All he wanted to talk about was like, oh, have you seen Jackson lately, James? You know, have you been hanging out with him? How is he? Can you make sure that, you know, you know, for your birthday that you guys have a drink or for his birthday that you have a drink with him. Like, that's all he cared about. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just a testament to the person that he was and and how much of a great father he was. That's one of the things that's come out, um, you know, since his passing that I wasn't shocked by because I knew he was a very generous man, but like the, just the depth of, and the amount of people that have shared like these little stories of just like little things that he would do for people or like a phone call he would give to check in or just like things that don't get trophies, don't get recognized. There was so many of them, like just publicized. And it's like, just made you realize like, fuck, this guy was so, so different to just being the best cricketer in the world he was like an absolute like genuine person mm. yeah well genuine is the thing that comes across he's real and people relate to it and yeah he he's yeah and that's why everyone loved him yeah um yeah no nah, he's a he's a legend of a he was a legend of a person and a, and a good family man and i think he's going to be missed for a very 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 long time mm. absolutely long live the king mate. how was he at poker 
He was very competitive. <laughs> super competitive. He was good. He was a good tournament player. I think he ran deep in a lot of tournaments. Um, but he was so competitive and he loved his poker more than anything. Like he loved poker just as much as he loved his St. Kilda Football Club. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were both just on par, par with each other. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he was actually a pretty good player and he was very, very passionate about it. And him and his son Jackson played a lot together. Um, and they were traveling the world at one point, um, traveling Australia at one point. So um, yeah, it was a big, big passion of his. What's the, um, one of my mates, he asked, he goes, um, I mentioned that you get a great relationship and he loves Warney and there's that many stories. What's the funniest story that you've got of Shane Warne? Mm, when we were at the wing in Vegas, we went out to, uh, I think I was like 21 years old and he was staying at the wing and so, so, so was my family. And he said, look, James, I'm going to get a table at, I think it was excess. So he goes, which is like the best club in Vegas. He goes, I'm going to get a table at excess. Uh, it's going to be. Me, I think it was Havana Brown, um, her fiance at the time, my uncle and myself. And he goes, let's just go get drunk, but I don't want to get too drunk. Um, <laughs> I'm playing poker the next day. So we get there and he said, look, my biggest weakness is fireball shots. So he said, if I start getting, you know, if you start drinking too much, then just, you know, tell me to drink vodka instead of fireball shots. Next thing you know, he's ordered two bottles of fireball shots. <laughs> <laughs> he's drank both of them. I'm not, I'm not joking. Like he didn't drink, Shane didn't party a lot. Like from what I saw, he didn't party a lot at all. He was yeah. like once every three months that I would ever see him drunk. But when he drank, he would drink. Like yeah. he would have a good time, especially in an environment like that where yeah. you're in the best club, you know, one of the Can't best clubs not. in the world. Just correct? go for it. Um, so anyway, he's, you know, having a good time and so on. And I said, hey, look, drink some, drink, drink some vodka. He's like, nah, nah, nah. He's like, I've started. I'm drinking fireball shots. Let's just have a big night, have a good night. Next thing you know, my uncle and I are literally Literally carrying him <laughs> into his room. We're walking through the through the wind casino, which is a five star hotel, very pretentious, and like people are looking, and he's midway through, he stops to throw up in one of the bins. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why we love him so much. Because he'd bowl leg spin and take eight wickets. Literally. And then you hear these stories and like, we can relate. I love it. like, keep me a cannibal. What do you say in the morning <laughs> yeah. when you wake up with a headache? <laughs> just give me vodka. <laughs> He's just like, I told you that I love fireball. That's <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. And you love fireball. Why are you a yeah, yeah. The great man got yeah, me yeah, some of that. He's great on a night out. That's, without oh, that's question. brilliant, mate. Thanks for sharing. It's um, That's awesome. Well, this is, goes into the, the main segment here. Here where we I talk reckon. about the business side of things. Shall we talk business, Tommy? Shall let's let's mm -hmm. talk business, mate. I'm ready. Now, uh, Elias Skin, mate, this pink clay mask, you know, that you started, before we go into obviously the journey that's been, what, what was sort of, I guess, the light bulb moment? What were the pre-discussions when you started thinking of going into the beauty industry? So I had just like graduated from economics and finance. And my business partner had just sold his teeth whitening business for... I think it was like a million dollars. No, it was a few hundred thousand dollars at like, I don't know, he was like maybe 20 years old and I was 20 at the time. Um, and I was selling hoverboards online. And when I was younger, I was selling fake IDs, like not really fake, but they were kind of, you could buy them online and resell them. Mm. So they weren't illegal, but they, you know, fake enough. And um, I'd always had a interest to just sell things. And so I had my business partner and we said, look, let's get into business together. I guess we can ride the highs and lows together. And that's always like one of my, piece of advice, like, you know, when you're a young entrepreneur, experiencing it with someone else that you trust and, and mm. that you have the same values with is so much more fun. Mm. Like we now, if we have a good moment, it's we're together and we have a good night out or we go to a dinner and we celebrate. And if it's, you know, a, a, you know, not such a good moment, then we both lift each other up. Um, so at the time we saw a lot of girls posting on Instagram and Facebook with clay masks. Um, and we just thought, let's make, like, let's make our own and let's make it our own. Like, let's launch something that's different to the market. 
So we launched an Australian pink clay mask using uh, Australian pink clay and we added like a rose scent to it. A lot of the scents... A lot of the scents in the clay masks at the time were cl- like they just smelled like clay. They had no scent really, so it was a bit boring, a bit bland. Um, and at the time, a lot of the clay masks that we had tried, they had actually like dried out your skin. So we wanted we wanted it to leave your skin feeling soft. So you need a moisturizer right after it. So we added different clays to it and also used less percentage of clay. That way, that when you remove the clay mask, your your skin was still left uh, left feeling um, moist and, and refreshing. Um, and then we thought, you know, we only had I only had like fifteen thousand dollars at the time because I was twenty years old. Manny had just sold a business, but still he didn't want to, I guess, overinvest. So we thought, let's just put fifteen thousand dollars in each, and then we'll use an Amex. So he had an Amex that he was using uh, for one of his other businesses that had a limit of fifty thousand dollars. And we bought 3,000 units. Um, we built the website ourselves, uh, And then we just sent out to a bunch of micro-influencers to start. And that's how we started. That's and we thought amazing, we would just start with man. one product because we couldn't afford to buy 10 products. Right. So we thought, let's just start with one product. Let's work our asses off um, in with PR and influencers to build uh, the brand around this product that we knew was good because we tried it with focus groups and so on. And then we thought we'd build a brand around that. Amazing. How many influencers, when you had the PR company, how many influencers did they gift at the start to get this thing off the oh, ground? Oh, no, we actually did it ourselves. Oh, you we did were doing all the PR ourselves and all the influencers. We gifted maybe 1,000 micro-influencers. Oh, so you went out. You went all out. Correct, correct. So at the time, it was the cheapest way to, to get the product into you know, hundreds of people's hands. And micro influences to you, what is that like, you know, 1,000 to a couple thousand Honestly, followers? Honestly, anyone, it- anyone in, in, any female or male that doesn't uh, want to be paid for right. in, in exchange for a post. That's and, so and, and when we reached out to the micro influencers, we didn't actually even ask them to post at the time. We just said, look, we want to send you some product. Please try it. If you love it, then we would love for you to post. If you don't, then you don't need to post. Because the way that we thought of it is that our only expense is shipping and, and cogs. So um, we didn't, you know, we didn't have to pay for them. So if they didn't post, we still actually sent the product to someone and we thought, oh, chances are even if they don't post, they'll like it, they'll tell someone. Right. Yeah. Um, Word of mouth. Correct. That's, that's what we thought. So even to, I reckon to this day, four, four years on, I think we've sent to 50,000 to 100,000 micro-influencers. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Man. We have a database of like 300,000 girls. <laughs> that's incredible. And well, is, yeah, is there plenty that you still have from day one that are like kind of VIPs? Yeah, so what we do is we used to give out a discount code so we can track their sales to see um, how well it's selling. And the ones that have supported us for the last four years, yeah, we just continue just to give them and we don't even ask for a post back. Yeah. Like if they've worked with us in the past multiple times and we, we release a new product, then we'll just send them a product. And if they want to post, great. If not, we don't really mind. What year did you launch all this? 2018, January. Oh, wow. That's yeah. crazy, man. It seems like it's been around. So it's, it's not that long, really, when you think about mm. it, but it feels like it's been around for so long. Yeah, it goes so quick, though. Yeah, rapid, man. It does. And you're just you trying to grow year on year. You're trying to launch into new stores. You're trying to evolve, you know, with the industry. Um, and the world. The world yeah. changes. You know, we're going to talk about that in a second, yeah. online and offline, but it's there's a it's a ever-evolving space isn't it with all this facebook and instagram now we've got tiktok are you, we love tiktok we always yeah, love this. tiktok mm-hmm. have you got job. that as a feature in your marketing plan yeah yeah we spend we spend some of our budget on tiktok but most of our budget right now is still on facebook instagram and google tiktok is still probably trying to figure out its algorithm in terms of in terms of paid ads 
um, and, and the data that they give you, it's not as accurate as Facebook. Um, what well, Facebook was now, it's not, it's not so accurate, accurate with the, with the Apple privacy changing. Right. What's it, actually, just while we're on that, cause I do want to ask a bit more about obviously, um, the product and the journey of how it started, but just out of those sort of platforms, which one do you find the most success, um, the brand gets out of Instagram, TikTok, Facebook? For, you uh, for us, it was Facebook. Facebook, yeah, right. And then probably Instagram. Then Google. Google's extremely important. You know, for yeah. anyone that's wanting to start a brand, I would suggest that, you know, you're putting a lot of focus and energy into Google and SEO. Um, because if someone sees your ads on Facebook, they may just think, oh, this is another Facebook or Instagram um, brand. So they then Google to see if you're legit, to see if you have reviews, to see what's been said about your product. And then if you if you're spending money on on Google Ads and SEO, then you you know most likely you should come up you know one of the top. Right. So one of the things that I loved about this product and I felt was really unique, not just like obviously the product's great, but from a marketing perspective, was that it was pink. Mm -hmm. So can you just explain like the thought process? How calculated was that to sort of? Yeah, we thought it would be attractive to to the to the millennials, um, and you know our demographic. At the time was, I guess we're probably looking at 18 to 25, but as we've matured as a business and as a brand, it's probably 25 to 34 now. Um, But yeah, we had, we always wanted the brand to be pink. Um, And now with new ranges that that we're releasing and and launching over the next year or two, we'll probably deviate a little bit away from that. Um, But we always, will still come back to that, you know, at some point. How many products have you got all up roughly? We just released our our last product last month. Um, it was an Australian algae gel mask. It was our ninth, our ninth skew. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So we have plans to probably have 20 skews in the next, you know, two, three years. It's awesome. How's it been as the business has scaled? Like, is what, what's, is that been challenging or has that been exciting? Because you've gone from rapid growth in a four year period, which is really not long. Yeah. It's exciting, but it's always like growing pains. Um, yeah. especially when you have more products logistically with COVID, it's been a nightmare. Um, then you know, shifting away from, from online and putting some focus into to offline and retail stores, that's a whole nother business as well. Online's quite easy logistically because you just use 3PL companies where you have three, you might have like three 3PL companies around the world. We have um, at the moment one in Australia and one in UK. That way customers in Europe and UK are getting their products quicker and in Australia they are as well. Um, but then when you're dealing with retailers, they want the products in a specific way and so on. So that's probably the biggest challenge. And then also staff, like finding people that really want to work um, for the brand and for the business and actually growing the business. That's, you know, also difficult as well. We're lucky right now that we have a great team um, and, and everyone working with us right now. They're all on board to help us grow. How so, many do you have? Staff we're we're a team of six at the moment, um, but we, we have a lot of like outsourced um, okay. people that we use that, that are almost like full-time, like they're contractors, but we're a main part of their business. Mm-hmm. So maybe our whole team would be probably 20. Right. One of the, one of the things when we had Liam on from Bay Juice, um, recently, he was speaking to us about some of their co-founders and how like they, through their sort of growing pains of starting, they started to figure out who was like strong in one area and, mm-hmm. and they sort of, you know, diverse their roles. What What's sort of yours and Manny's, I guess, strengths and have you guys got sort of more specific roles now? Yeah. So Manny focuses on marketing, okay. um, purely just creating content with agencies, uh, working with Google, the Google ads buyer, the Facebook buyer, um, and working with the marketing team in-house. 
and then I'm more operations and finance and, okay. and offline, so distribution. So he focuses purely online and, and making sure that the ROAS is high, that we're getting uh, the average order value is high, the conversion rate is high, all these online things that you know matter. Um, and then I'm focusing on opening new doors with distributors, with retailers, um, and then operations side as well as finance. So when you, when you started, was it specifically just online? Yeah, it was, but our biggest probably milestone was in nine months when we launched with Priceline. So what, how did that come about? Like, what were those first conversations like? So we were like, we were pretty dumb actually at the time that we, <laughs> we, we started. We didn't know that Priceline had its own headquarters. So you just need to talk to one person at Priceline. Instead, we were databasing every Priceline store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love so, that. <laughs> so we had 400 Priceline stores, database, me and him working for four weeks. And then we found out that there's actually just one buyer that you oh. need to get in front of. Oh my God. Um, and then luckily enough, they said yes. But this was like going back to like knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Our strengths were online and we didn't want to just risk doing a deal with the retailer that we had. We had no, we had no idea. We had no idea about it. We're 20, we were 21 years old at the time. Like we didn't want to, um, I guess, dive into something that could potentially hurt the business. So what we did is we found a distributor and we found a, a distributor that's worked with Priceline with multiple brands and, okay. and ensuring that the deal is, you know, safe and sound. So that's what we did. So now in Australia, we have an exclusive distributor. And they have sales reps, they have, they have the network with the buyers and the marketing team, and they do most of the work in terms of retailers. How hard was it to find that distributor? Uh, wasn't that hard. In terms of finding, finding distributors and buyers and retail stores, in, in that sense, Manny and I's, like my business partners and I's philosophy is like nothing's hard in that sense. You just mm -hmm. go on Google and you just keep, keep working hard and, find, and just, you know, looking at other brands to see if they've got it on their own online store. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that hard, um, but it was convincing them to take us, which was hard. Mm. And it's the same thing when you get on shelves. Getting into Priceline and, you know, luckily we just launched into Chemist Warehouse as well this, this month. Getting into those stores, it's not that difficult. If you work hard enough, you get it. It's making sure that you sell through. And that's the hard thing because you're competing against thousands of products. Yeah. You're on shelf against literally thousands of products. So that's what's probably the most difficult part. Does, does that bring more pressure in a sense? Because there's a obviously now ownership on you guys that you've got to really push the business, push the marketing to to warrant the investment of Priceline and so forth. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. They send through sales data every week. Um, some of them do every month. And if you have a dip, then they're going to email you and they're going to ask you what's going on. <laughs> but we're lucky we have a good relationship with them. Um, and we work together to make sure that there's enough money being invested into the retailers, into catalogs, into discounting, um, into in-store promotion to make sure that it's actually coming off the shelves. Yeah. Otherwise you just send me and Jake and we just, <laughs> <laughs> just buy the lot, just sell to the roof. It fascinates me though, because like you mentioned, there's a thousand products like at Priceline and Chemist Warehouse, but there's a there's like a million products in the market. Correct. So it's really hard to get them to oh, those man. shelves. Like, luckily, I don't think yeah. we're giving that enough credit. So like, did you guys have to do like a presentation like, did you have to really go be like a diligent around the numbers with people to get that? Yeah, correct. Correct. The biggest thing when you're talking to distributors and retailers is you want to make sure that your numbers are right, because otherwise you can, you can be left with like no margins and make no money at the end of, at the end of an order. So that was our biggest thing is making sure our numbers were right and that the, the numbers uh, stacked up. And then also, yeah, we had to sit in with the buyers and, and present to, to the brand to them and, and tell them and convince them why our product will sell on shelves. And we walked through a marketing strategy with them that was like, look, once the product is on shelves, we're going to use our marketing strategies like micro-influencers and Facebook ads to bring people to your store. 
maybe consumers that have never walked in your store before will now walk into your store because of our brand. And we're able to convince them and luckily that it paid off and it actually worked because that's what we did. And instead of having a girl post about um, available, you know, at eliaskin.com.au, it was like now mm. Eliaskin is now available in, in price in the nearest Priceline store near you. So, so that, cool. that's what works That's for the us value the for them, isn't it? Correct. It's all about value and it's spot on. And you're bringing new audience in. They go, well, they might go shopping and spend another 40 bucks and exactly beef right. up their order. And when they see that, they're very happy. With um, just like this is a little bit left field of the business, but obviously with the success came a lot of eyes on you and Manny. Like you guys were on the news, mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. More people were aware of who you are. Was any of that stuff like difficult as well? Because big part of it, I'm sure why you did it wasn't for that, but that naturally has come with it, I guess. Yeah, no, nah, I definitely, definitely didn't struggle with it. I would say if, if I had my time again, it's, it's so hard because when I look at it, I would say, okay, it definitely worked for the business mm. and everyone started talking about the brand. Like it became a really well-known brand in Australia, which was amazing. Um, but I think it puts a lot of expectation on you. Yeah. And, and mentally that can be exhausting because now everyone, you know, we had our numbers out at one point and what revenue that we were doing and people just straight away, I guess they don't, I wouldn't say that they look at you differently, but they kind of, they, they, they hold you to this expectation and you hold yourself to this expectation. And that, and that means that when there is a little bit of a dip, you start to, I guess, you know, you start to think the worst, you know, what are people going to think of me if it doesn't succeed? You know, if, if you fail, um, are people going to look at me differently? So I think that's probably the one thing that, you know, you struggle with when you put yourself out there that much. Um, but it had its pros. Like we had a bunch of sales from, you know, being on channel nine, um, being, you know, spoken about and published in daily mail. I think our biggest, I think to this day online, our biggest ever day was when we did, $200,000 in a day in, in like 20 hours when Daily Mail wrote about us. That's, wow. that's unbelievable. That was, that was our biggest day. And that was like not even in 24 hours. Like that was in like 20 hours because it started at like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or something. That was the biggest day we've ever had. I think. What, what, did you just woke up and had it went through like yeah. Shopify? So we woke you up Shopify? Yeah, Shopify. <laughs> you turn yeah. the thing on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, what is going on with this? Mate, we're a little funny still. We're, <laughs> we're, we're off to Hawaii, yeah, mate. Yeah, when we first launched Ricks, we had like, I think we had our first sale and my mate had a boat party and he had the music on. He's like, fuck <laughs> it. He's like, drinking game. When it goes ka-ching and it's like, oh, it probably <laughs> went ka-ching twice. <laughs> I can only imagine yours. It probably went ka-ching like literally oh, 20,000 times. Yeah, must be the night. It'd be like an adrenaline. Oh, that's Ka-ching's the best noise. And sometimes when your phone's on loud, you're like, oh, fuck, and turn that down. Well, I think, yeah, I think we would have done like, I think our average order value, because it was it was still early, like in the early days, we only had a few products. Our average order value would have only been $60. I think oh we did goodness. like, I think we did like 3,500 units in 20, uh, 3,500 orders. So in, in, in those 24 hours. So, so going back to your question, like, it's a great question actually, because there's pros and cons to it. Mm. If I had my time again, would I do it again? Probably, yeah. Just yeah. because of the sales that we got from it and the brand awareness. <laughs> yeah, that's and a good take one for the team. Take yeah. one for the team. Yeah, hundred percent. They were they were plastered everywhere. I remember, and I was thinking, like, when you put it into context, never really thought about it. Like, you're only twenty one. Mm. Like, it's a lot to deal with, let alone run a business. Uh, twenty six now. Twenty six. Five years. Yeah. Ago. Yeah, you got to do it. It's the biggest reach you can get. That's with, amazing. With this industry, because. From the outside anyway, it seems like a very female-dominated industry for purchases. Like for me, if I'm ever using like a face mask, it's usually pushed by a female onto me. Because you have more visibility of, I guess, your buyers and, and been around for a while. Do, do males get involved in this space? Are there males buying the product and utilizing? Yeah, there are. I would probably say like 12% of our right. um, twelve percent of our customers are males. But I'm, I'm not sure if that's buying for themselves 
or buying for right. their okay. girlfriends. Okay. Uh, but yeah, stay tuned because I think there will be something in the. Oh, in the- yeah, <laughs> I got a couple of blemishes last week. <laughs> I think I, I think there will be something in the men's space coming soon, which is exciting. That's great. Yeah, given as I said, just this leads to the next question being like a very female-dominated market. You guys are two guys running it and mm. founding it, so. I assume naturally you guys haven't come in like being skincare experts. So how much like research study have you guys done and leading to that, the the next wave of products you bring out, like mm. how much depth of research? Oh, we're just you constantly got? doing paying for research and development. We okay. have an in-house team that's like two of our staff members are, are experts in product development. And then we also work with um, outsourced consultants for product development. And then we also have manufacturers. We have multiple manufacturers across Australia. Um, and, and they help with formulations and, and development as well. That's fascinating. And then moving and then moving towards like new products, we'll just have to continue working with them to make to make sure that we're continuing to release like uh, quality products at an affordable price because that's where we want to be. We want to continue to just launch Australian-made products um, at an affordable price um, for everyone. Just and on that, just if anyone out there listening, watching, doesn't know wh- what the products cost, what are they cost? Uh, they range from $19.99 to $49.99. Yeah, that's great. Wow. So, yeah. anyone, so both anyone, of our, anyone can buy them. Correct. So both of our masks are $49.99 and then our, our cheapest product, the cleanser, would be $19.99. Yeah. That's amazing. There you go. One of the questions we love asking, and this uh, separate to sort of revenue and, you know, green and red sort of columns, but like, what is there been like a bit of a pinch yourself moment that the business has taken you and money to? You're like, this life is just so cool. Like, you know, it's crazy. A pink clay mask can take us here, for example. Yeah. You don't, uh, I don't know if there's a like pinch myself moment. I don't, I, don't, I think when you're in it, you don't appreciate it so much because you're just working so hard. Um, but it's given me an amazing life. Like I'll, I'll always like love the business, um, for what it's given both Manny and myself and being able to travel the world and, and I guess work from, from anywhere. I think that's what I, I love the most. Um, but I also like where, where we both get most satisfaction from is like the community of girls and, and, and family that we've built around the brand. Like to have a Facebook group with 22,000 members that are just diehard members talking about not only the brand and the product, but actually asking each other questions about their personal lives and, you know, what did you do in this scenario and what did you do in that scenario? I think that's what's most important to us because skincare is like, it's such a competitive industry and, yeah. and there's so many products out there that for us, where we see our point of difference is the community that we're trying to build and having a loyal, um, a, a loyal customer base. Just on that, and I reckon you probably both would have some good feedback, but like repeat buyers, and that's obviously a big part. Like, was there a specific strategy around that early doors, like, you know, to communicate or to warrant, you know, hey, we, we really appreciate your investment. How do we get them back on board? Yeah, like offering discount codes on their second purchase, third purchase, I'm sure you have with your right. brand. Um, and then constantly engaging with them through like EDMs, um, Instagram, Facebook. That's what's so important. They just want to feel like that you care. And like as founders, Manny and I absolutely do care. Like that's what we love. Like that's why we're doing this. Mm. Um, If we can continue to engage with our customers, then, you know, we'll be happy running this business for a long time to come. Yeah, there's nothing more important. I actually got a Rick's phone so I could call. I called the top 100 customers. It's actually funny. Not many people like the calls these days. So literally, G'day, man, it's co-founder here, Tommy Sheriff from Rick Sala. Who's that, mate? <laughs> it's like, uh, number two. Have you actually done that before? Have you have you <laughs> like, just started calling people? A, a year, our first um, few months out of footy, I was like, fuck it, I'm calling the top 100. And I reckon only 30 of the 100 like thought it was me. Oh, really? Wow. I thought it was a piss take. Or, or, yeah, they were like, mate, don't know, like, or just didn't know who the fuck I was. And I was like, mate, like you've ordered that many sunnies. I just want to say thank you. 
He's like, who's this, mate? And he's like, yeah, no. I'm like, mate, you've bought the same pair like this many times. Like, I just wanted to ask why. He's like, mate, fucking festivals, snap them all the time. Oh, You're a champion, mate. i got to get back to work. See you later. I'm like, you know, but the reason for that call is the same. You just, you care so much. You just wish you could just say thank you to everyone, you know, at once, but it's not that easy. Yeah, was, I was going to say, is it hard, particularly when, when the business is scaling and you've got limited resources to connect? Like, it must be hard to give that to everyone. Yeah, that's why you've got a team. Yeah. And, and just to constantly um, look at who's been purchasing and just engage with them and send them an email, even say a thank you or discount mm. code or right. have a pop-up on the website that, you know, we have a pop-up on the website now that um, I think for even new customers where you may get, you know, a percentage up from 10 to 50% off. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, customers love that. Yeah. And we have, we, have, like, we have a code as well, like a family friend's code. We're launching some um, like leisure. So we're going to go down the clothing route. Um, but T-shirts, sometimes just flick them in, repeat customers, chuck them a T-shirt. Right. Anything that you can do, hats, whatever, that you can just say. Point of uh, difference. Yeah, you know you didn't order that, but we appreciate you. Um, repeat customers are so, so the loyalty is important. And the hardest thing is actually getting new customers. Mm. But you got to look after the, the repeat customers. Are you guys using a 3PL company or are you doing it No, nah, we still do it ourselves because the Sunnies aren't that big, um, not as cheap as well. So like we're probably not moving as many numbers to be able to do that at the moment. But mm -hmm. I've looked into it. It's probably just not at the, uh, probably not the right time at the moment. Yeah. Um, but as we, like if we were to go overseas and all that kind of stuff, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah just not sense. ready for them yet. What would you say the um, biggest challenge has been for, for you guys since starting? Has, mm. it, has there been any sort of clear challenge you run into? Yeah, I would say that that global strategy and um, global expansions, it's not easy. It's definitely hard when, especially when we've put so much focus into the Australian market. I wouldn't say that we forgot about the rest of the world, but like this is where we're from. This mm. is like, you know, it's our country. It's like we, we, we have built a strong brand because of Australia. So to then try and focus on other territories, it's hard. Um, and I would say probably that's been our biggest challenge. But slowly, slowly, we've been able to now um, land some retailers overseas. And I think that's probably, you know, exciting. And I think you need that retailer to give the brand credibility. Yeah. Like selling online overseas, if they've never heard of your brand before, it's quite difficult to convince, you know, a new customer to, to purchase on their first time. But once they see, oh, you're in Shoppers Drug Mart in Canada or you're in Superdrug in the UK, they're like, oh, this isn't just an Instagram brand. This is actually, you know, a credible brand, then it makes it much easier. How many, for the listeners anyway, how, how many markets are you guys in now, countries outside of Australia? So we're probably, in, in terms of online, we sell everywhere. Yeah. Um, except we're not selling in the US at the moment, but everywhere else except the US. And then uh, offline and in stores, we're probably in seven markets. So Australia, New Zealand, UK, Canada, um, Middle East, and China. That's incredible. It is. It's and massive. I, four years ago. And I think, we're, I think we're now in 4,000 or 5,000 stores across the world. So volume's just pumping. You yeah. have to be on top of the numbers, Jake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's the finance. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's running. No the wonder numbers. he doesn't sleep. It's amazing how he looks this good. Oh, mate. No, good, looking, on him, yeah. good looking rooster. I'm, I'm not bags, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't do me, mate. Bar yeah, yeah. do that to you. Yeah, <laughs> before a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible, mate. Well done. Um, Thanks, it's mate. so fucking hard to run a business and at, at that scale as well. What's your second um, biggest, I guess, country? Yeah, so is Australia number one? Yeah, Australia would be number one, and then the UK. UK two. So the UK would be two. Sneak in the third. Uh, I would say Canada. Yeah. Did you yep. say Saudi? You're in Saudi as yeah. well? Yeah. So in the Middle East, we're in like, uh, I think 300 stores in Saudi Arabia. So we have a distributor over there who's actually, 
he married an Australian, um, so he's visiting here all the time. Um, so it's easy for it to be face to face. That's massive. Um, and he's yeah, he's been he's been really good lately. So I think he's launched us into three different retailers, and now it's about again, like I said before, it's actually about getting them off the shelves. Right. So we're working with him tirelessly on on different marketing strategies to make sure that they come off the shelves. Right. In with your position in the business is it do you are you kind of structured in your how you work and how you operate through the week or do you kind of just move with the way the business moves like how's your sort of yeah we're, we're both pretty flexible Manny and I like yeah. we, we kind of run it like it's a family business it's not there's not you know there's no hierarchy um there's not uh too much structure it's more we we have team meetings and so on like once a week and we have individual meetings and, and whips and so on um, but we're both flexible with how we work in, yeah. in the hours that we work. Sometimes he works from home. Sometimes I work from home. Sometimes I'm working whilst I'm overseas, but because we're like best mates, it just makes it so, so much easier. Yeah. Like we have so much trust in each other that we never, we've never had a fight about the business ever in four years. That's incredible. We've had a fight about other things outside the business, <laughs> but never about the business yeah. ever because we both know that we just want the best for the business. And none of us are like. We've both been grown, brought up, sorry, from from similar like mor- with similar morals and values with from our families that like money's great and, and making money is awesome, but not at, you know not at the expense of you know doing wrong by someone else. Yeah, that, do you know what? This is actually one of the things I give you credit for. I reckon you're a very humble person. Every time, like you would never know like James's success, James's family. You treat people in a manner, and it's one. Of, I think one of your good qualities, and I, I assume Manny's very similar because I think in business that's a really powerful trait, and particularly with you being really good with people. It's massive. It's why people want to work with you. It's why people want to purchase your products. Um, it's massive and you know, well done. It's, it's, some people do get the big, you know, once they start turning over high volume and a lot of money, they, they, you know, they change. Um, mm. so it's a credit to you and, and the, and the team really, Thanks, um, boys. it's, it's fantastic, mate. We, we, um, we've spoken about a fair bit of the business online, offline. What's been probably the biggest challenge you've had to face over the last few years? Was it, I mean, COVID we just had been, COVID. COVID would have yeah. changed the business. So I, I, I remember what happened with COVID which was quite scary, like the f- in March 2020, we had sold, say, three or 4,000 orders across like a few days. But what had happened is the product wasn't ready yet from the manufacturer, but the manufacturer is in, in Melbourne. So they were filling it and we were going to get the product like the next day or in two days. So I had sold it and it was just going to be like a two-day delay, which was fine. Mm. But then COVID hit and then my manufacturer is calling me and telling me, oh, we're not sure if we're an essential business and we may have to shut. So I'm freaking out because refunding the customers is fine. That's fine. But the problem is that you spend a lot of money on Facebook to acquire the customer and Facebook's not going to give you your money back. So we like, that was probably the scariest moment in the business. And I honestly thought at that point I was going to lose the business because I think it was, I think we had done like you know, five hundred thousand dollars in you know in the last ten days in sales, and I was like, I probably we probably spent a hundred thousand dollars on Facebook ads or one hundred fifty thousand dollars on Facebook ads, and then you've got you know shipping and so on as well. So that was probably the scariest moment, and and dealing with uh, I guess the struggles with COVID logistically, everything is delayed, um, everything is more expensive. I just got a quote the other day. It's you know we're, apparently we're not you know the COVID doesn't exist anymore. But the, the, the other day I just got a quote to ship a product that's this big to the UK four dollars a unit. Oh my god! Yeah, like that's ridiculous. a unit. Yeah, that's like that's, you're going through the same thing. Though. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Overseas by air, and if you're shipping by sea, it takes three months. Yeah, How, yeah you've got no choice. You honestly so, got no choice. Correct. So it's I would say COVID's been a struggle for a lot of businesses, but we also did get lucky that we were aggressive through COVID as well. 
Like That's we great. stay, we stuck to our guns. Um, we kept spending money on Facebook and our, our CPA, like our cost per um, acquisition dropped dramatically through COVID. And we spoke about COVID and how it's actually affected the online business a lot. Do you want to touch on what you were saying earlier about Facebook ads and how difficult they yeah, are these days? So I would say, you know, pre-COVID, Facebook was, was a beast. And then the first nine months of COVID, it became like the most profitable marketing platform ever. And every brand was making a fortune. We were spending, you know, for every dollar that we were spending, we were making $8 to $9. Mm. Um, and then what happened was... Apple obviously were getting concerned about how how much Facebook was growing and how much Google were growing. And I think, I don't know if they, I don't know if this is why they did it, but it just seems, you know, a bit coincidental when they came out with this whole privacy uh, settings for, for, for both of the platforms. So now when you download a new app with a new iOS update, it asks you if you want to allow the, tr the app to track uh, um, your yeah, movements. Yeah. And most people say no, yeah. which means if someone goes in Google's pink clay, then when they go on Facebook or, or Instagram, then our ads won't pop up. So we're now just advertising blindly. So which means it's driven the price of acquisition through the roof. And that's why we've had to shift to offline. So it's still a profitable uh, marketing platform for us, but it's, it's not as profitable as, as it once was. But I think for Manny and I to, to realize that quite early on and shift our focus into offline um, and, and launch into new retailers like Chemist Warehouse and Superdrug in the UK, um, it's kind of balanced out for the business. That's crazy. That's like, so it's effectively your like business model is kind of flipped really quickly yeah, in correct. a sense. It used to be 80, 20 online, offline. Now it's 50, 50. Wow. Yeah. That's, 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 it's funny. Cause I've spoken to a few CEOs and I asked them like, you know, what, what's sort of your, your job? Like, but elementary questions are like, it's literally just putting out fires. Yeah. Like constantly putting out fires. And I imagine for you two as founders of like brands and products that that's the last two years has been that like moving through different fires and so forth. Uh, the scale that James is going through is a different level of the Rixies, but mate, yeah, you're spot on. And to just but to be able to recognize that is the most, almost one of the most important things. I mean, I'm mm. sure you can recognize it easily when you're looking at your, um, you know, your turnover, it's not the same at one to eight or nine, but yeah, it's a fantastic ever just to recognize it and then flip it. Mm. Um, how, how hard was it to then build the offline so quickly? We were lucky we had distributors in place already, but we had to move quickly with retailers. Mm. Like we wanted to launch like ASAP. So we would, we were offering retailers, uh, you know, that we would, that we would essentially spend a lot of money on marketing in store just so that they would take us like out of, um, out of like launch dates because every out of review dates because every retailer may have like two review dates maybe like March and September where they take products and then outside of those two months they don't take any products you're just sitting ducks correct so you ha you know you had to work a little bit hard and invest more into the market but it ends up you know I guess coming back so yeah. it's fine point of sale was did you go hard yeah 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 we now and now all of our products in like shelf ready packaging so they're sitting like super cute in a, in a little box, um, <laughs> in a little pink box instead of just having it on the shelves. So, um, yeah, point of sale is definitely important for sure. Yeah. A common, um, topic on this platform, Aces in Business is we, a lot of the people we talk to have been quite young and a big part of their journeys. They've had mentors and different people that have been there supporting them. For you, do you have certain people that you turn to when the business is tough or just in general from, from a life perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I have, I think it's the most important thing. If you want to start your business and, and, and you're young, you're a young entrepreneur, I think having mentors is the most important, uh, part, like part of growing, uh, part of learning. Like Manny and I don't know everything. I think that was what because Manny had had like two successful businesses before he launched this and he was young. Like I think he sold his first one 
for a million dollars when he was 18 years old. It's incredible. Um, yeah, so <laughs> he just drops out so lightly, by the way. Yeah, the so <laughs> we haven't spoken about Manny before you keep going. We what did was Manny give him doing? some credit because I think he's a, he was a, he's yeah, a, a he's genius, an integral right? part of it. He's a very, very smart guy as well. And he, um, he launched a business when he was 17 and called uh, Barbus and Zachary. So that was selling watches, um, fashion accessories it was it was the most genius thing i've ever seen so instead of sending out the watch to the influencer for the influencer to post he would send a photo of the watch on a girl's wrist just a random girl's wrist and say if you post this and you get uh for every three sales you get we'll give you x amount of dollars and they would do that so he didn't even have to send the watch to them and he would they would only get something out of it if they sold that is unbelievable. So it's not even their wrist, but the people Correct. think it's their exactly wrist. Exactly right, yeah. So but content, bang, no time in between, <laughs> boom, boom. Exactly right. You have Genius. to wait for shipping. Genius. Track so, sales. Correct. So he sold that. I think him and his business partner at the time sold that for, yeah, like it was a million dollars. And then he went and launched the teeth whining business that I, that I spoke about before. Um, but because he'd been so successful and he, he he's the kind of person, he just does everything himself. So when I, when we became business partners, um, he's like, James, why do you want to ask that person for help? Or why do you want to ask that person? I'm like, bro, we don't know everything. Like we're 21 years old, 20. So I think maybe he was 22, I was 21. I was like, we're so young. Let's just like, let's use our network and let's try and, and get some advice from people. And now he is, he's much more like that, but he still leans on me to, 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 to get the advice. He would prefer me to do it. So probably my biggest mentor is probably Andrew Bassett, the president of um, St. Oh, Kilda. Seek. Yeah. And, yeah, and founder of Seek. So he's, yeah. you know, one of my dad's best friends and he's, um, He's probably my, you know, I've probably got three mentors. I've got, we've got two advisors that are actually equi equity partners um, in the business um, and have vested in over three years um, just for small equity um, to give us advice. And then Andrew Bassett's just a friend and, and he's been like such a good mentor and um, always giving good advice because, you know, he's done it um, yeah. and he's been through it. Is there any like standout advice, any standout conversations you would have had with him that you that always Yeah, I think I went to his office maybe – three weeks ago. Um, I've been getting pretty bad headaches. I've had a headache for like 10 months. Um, that <laughs> just that hasn't gone. I've had like MRIs. I had an MRI done. I've had uh, blood tests. You know, everything's come back fine. So I must just be stressed. And I went and just spoke to him about it. And I said, like, did you ever experience anything like this? Um, and he said, you know, naturally he deals with it much better. Um, just some people have got it. Some people haven't. And clearly I don't handle the stress now um, as well as I would like to. But he just said to me that, at the end of the day, it's just a business and like, it's not, it's not part of my identity. If, if I have to take some time off and that means, you know, sacrificing the performance of the business, it doesn't really matter. Like I'm James Hashem. I'm not James Hashem Eliaskin. Mm. And I think, um, I would say, uh, separating those two things was a great, like him telling me to separate those two things was great advice and made me realize like, if if for whatever reason I need to step aside because of my, you know, I, I'm in too much pain because sometimes I can't even work. Like my mm. head's killing, you know, right now I have a headache talking to you guys. <laughs> but soon, like, seriously, wow. like, like right now I actually have a headache. Like oh it's, been, it's been 10 months every day, but it's not so bad right now. So but, is it actually stress related? Like, it has to be. Like yeah. it is, you know, I've done, every, I've done every test under the sun. Um, and the last 12 months have been quite stressful with work because of COVID and because of, you know, Facebook and so on. So it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, that was probably the best, best advice. Mate, that's great me. advice. Yeah. yeah. That's Cause I think a lot of people, and I can relate to it, man. Sometimes it's like work, work, work. And in, it's your, in your DNA to constantly go after goals and you kind of forget your health at times. You need to, yeah. We, you, you need to learn how to switch off in business. Yeah. And that's one thing that I'm just not good at. Yeah. You know? and, and meditating. I would agree. Maybe 
something that I need to look at because I've tried sometimes, but I'm not very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 How can you imagine this bloke? Oh, like a monkey oh, in the cage. Yeah. Yeah. I get do it so... at 40. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sitting there looking over me, I was waiting for someone to look at me and just go. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good for you though. Very 100%. Good for you. It's very, very good for you. And, and, and for a lot of people out there with like, mental health issues and anxiety and, you know, business stress, it's the best thing for you. Do you have this? I, uh, I use a couple of apps. There's Calm, there's Insight, but there's like a sleep app. Have you ever tried that? No, nah, I haven't. So when you go to bed, right, a few of the boys swore by, I said, oh, I started doing it. And it's it actually has signals for your brain. It's just music. It's someone talking you to sleep. It goes for about 20 minutes, this one that I like. But you put it on before bed, just quiet enough, not too loud. And it actually helps you relax. Because I'm going to be like you. For some reason, at night, I can't stop fucking thinking. Mm. I've got a cracker idea. Um, oh, there we go. Got to, got to call James. Forgot to call him yesterday. You know, <laughs> yeah. like something like that. I'll go, fucking hell, I forgot that yesterday. But this thing like allows you to just, if you listen to the music, not the music, but the background noise, this person talking you through this, I guess it's like a meditation sleep uh, routine. Man, I swear by it. And a little bit of magnesium as well. I reckon it's yeah, I've been using some magnesium lately. It's really well. good. Taking some as well. Really good. Yeah. So, and maybe, yeah, and, and the next level is like a little bit of a cold shower after. That's next <laughs> level. I've heard that that's super good. Everyone yeah. that I know that does it says it's, it's. I do it every morning, cold shower. Yeah, I've been doing yeah. it a little bit lately, but it does, mate. And I, 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 on extreme levels, that's why I named all three. Um, but yeah, just try that. I reckon it might help yeah, get well. to sleep. Don't know if it helps the headache, but it might help you get to sleep earlier. So yeah. Feeling a bit better. Yeah, switching off is uh, is very important. It's hard though, man, because it's a 24-7 business. I always tell people this. Mm. When yeah, you do you up. find for you when you're so passionate about something and obviously the journey you and money have had, you're, you're, you're in bed and like you might be oh, with yeah. your partner or family and you're just like fucking thinking Dude, about Dude, some people talk, talk to me and I have no idea what they're saying half time because I'm in my own world. That's my, <laughs> that's my honestly, that's my, if, 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 if people, if people, if my friends insult me, Especially Kevin, who you know, yeah, you know yeah, really well. That's the one thing that he tells me off all the time. He's just like, "Are you even listening to me?" Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll, if someone's talking and I say, "Oh wow," or "Oh that's <laughs> nice," <laughs> I'm looking over I'm the shoulder, like, assessing everything else. I have no idea what you're even talking about now because I'm thinking about like something else. Oh, I'm thinking yeah. about oh, work. I can understand you so and, much, mate. Oh, that, man, that, that so I don't at school that, like that. Actually, Toddy used to go, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. Oh, oh, mate, I'm fucking living. Listen, he goes, "No, no." That's definitely one of my worst traits. So I'm trying. I'm trying to live. I think. I think you need to live in the moment. Like that's the one thing that I'm not the best at, and I'm trying to work on it um, for sure. Because that helps with everything. It helps with mental health. Helps with anxiety. Yeah. It helps with um, you know my head. I'm sure it'll help with my headaches. Um, stress. If you just live in the moment, be like, look, you're 26 years old. You know, you've got a good business and you've got a good family and you've got your health. Like that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, but so many times you get caught up in thinking of what is, what's going to happen in next year? What's going to happen if this doesn't happen or for, what's going to happen if that does happen? So the Mickey Zarafa, stay present. Stay present. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Worry about the now. You know what? One of his best, best things he said to me, he's like, win or learn. Yeah, it's And good. just looked at me with these steely eyes and go, all right, Mick, fuck it out. <laughs> that's, that's a good saying, though. Yeah, it's a great saying, man. It's so true. Because like, I learn a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> Mate, I reckon we, are we going to open up some questions from the people, from the yeah, listeners? Yeah, I've got a couple of questions. Um, but I guess we've already touched on that. What's probably the f most, before we get to that part, what has been the most enjoyable part of the gig? You know, I think you touched on it before with travel, but mm. is there anything else that you really enjoy? Might just be a day-to-day -day yeah. thing. Probably just working with, with Manny, working with his friends so close and growing with him, um, working with our team and improving um, improving uh, skincare routines and the skin of, you know, 
hundreds and thousands of, of females out there. Like when they send us emails and say, you've helped my acne or you've helped my 13-year-old's acne or, you know, you've helped my um, eczema sometimes for whatever reason they put on that or my dry skin. I think that's where you get the most satisfaction out of because then you're like, you're actually helping people. Yeah. Changing lives. And yeah, correct. Yeah, some of those um, before and after, they were really powerful marketing tools, but like those before and after shots you post in the early days, like the skin change of some people, yeah. it kind of legitimizes the product to a lot of people that may be skeptical correct. or from the outside. And if Facebook never banned it, I would be on an island. In, <laughs> in, in, I'd be on an island somewhere in, in the world right now. But Facebook wouldn't let you advertise it, which oh, is insane. Really? Yeah, they banned it. Like, you can't show before and after for, for skincare because they, they don't, they, don't, they know people can edit, they know people can edit photos and so on, and like ours are so real, and they still you know they would get banned all the time. My so God, I think the man. only brands that are allowed to do it, I think hair care brands, hair yeah. loss brands. I think they don't. I think they they allow before and afters. Fascinating, just like yeah. fascinating. Before we go to the questions from a couple of people, um, we have a sponsor. We have a couple of sponsors of the show, mate. Uh, one of them is Caps. Mm -hmm. The home of headwear. Uh, we love that you love your American sport. We love caps. Now, incredible the caps. There's a few hats in there. Um, pick one of your favorites, mate. I went, I went down to caps the other day and loaded up. Not that one. That's the <laughs> old. That's the devil, mate. That's when you put the moldies that's not on. In caps, mate. Oh, I'm gonna go do these for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So owns, they've got, mate. mate. They've got some cracking caps. And for anyone out listening or watching, you know the Aces discount code's active. Um, mate, they got so much. I went there the other day and bought me Hornets jumper and Look good. Boston Celtics vintage tee, the Mitchell and Ness. But right, um, here we go, LA baby. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not joking. Thanks, when I said it, LeBron James enthusiast. I reckon the amount of times you would have been at um, or Crypto.com Arena, and he just has like a photo of LeBron James's back. Like <laughs> yeah. there he is. <laughs> He's the man. Thanks for that. No, no pleasure. Mate, but part awesome. of the caps is a caps moment, mm -hmm. and it's it's the first thing that comes to mind. It's the greatest moment of your life so far, what is your Caps moment? That's a big question, that. Greatest moment of my life so far would be being backstage with Drake three week, uh, three months ago. Wow. wow. So where was it in, in the States? Yeah, that was in, uh, it was, where, where were we? We were in LA. We were in LA. What was it, like a festival? Was it his concert? No, no, no. Or? It was, uh, it, he did a concert and Justin Bieber did a concert on the Friday night and Drake did a concert on the Saturday night. Um, and fortunately enough, one of my friends um, is in business with Drake or his company is anyway. Um, and I got there and I, I just got given a ticket through through someone. I think it was someone, an Aussie here. And I ran into my mate and he passed me a, a VIP ticket and he goes, come come backstage now. And it was pretty cool. Future was there. Um, Draymond Green walked in. Oh, this is big. Um, who else was there? Uh, there was, there were a bunch of artists there, but it was just pretty cool seeing like Drake roaming around like the room and he just seems like the most humble guy ever. Yeah. 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 He, I was just about to ask, what's he like as a person? Yeah, he just seems so humble. Really? Yeah. Did I'll you take cross paths? Did you say g'day? Yeah, well, he came and said hi to, to my mate, who we were just in a group with, um, and he was just doing it to everyone, like just going up to everyone and just saying good day and making everyone feel comfortable. And That's awesome. It was pretty cool. That was probably that yeah. was probably one of the coolest. That's the, I wasn't expecting that grand of an answer. Hey, that's that what we fucking, love. That is up there, mate. That's what we love the caps We're moment. We're clipping mate. Braden. <laughs> the caps moment always brings out. A, it could be a, it's the all kind of moments. Yes, that is probably that's going to be hard moments. to top. That's going to be hard to top. Just before we go past the caps moment, did you get to chat to Draymond Green? He looks like a character. Nah, I didn't. Was I he didn't. bopping around the joint? I didn't. Nah, he, uh, nah but he's a. He, apparently, he's a. He's a big. Um, He's a big poker player. A lot of these guys are like big poker players. And I know, I know someone over there in the US who, who knows him well. I've heard he's like a super nice guy. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, he just seemed like I think he was doing his own thing. That's sure. epic. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's a moment. That's a great that is moment. a moment. We had a couple of questions here. One from Josh Ben. Appreciate anyone out there that does write in as well. It, it yeah. helps. Big um, thank you, guys. Helps a lot. I guess we we do this for the people uh, as much as ourselves. But what's been the greatest advertising campaign, uh, marketing campaign you think you've implemented over the time? Yeah, I would probably say when we first launched to have a thousand like micro influencers all posting at the same time in only Melbourne and Sydney and having everyone talk about the brand, that was probably like the most powerful campaign that we had because no one had heard about the brand before, obviously just being a new brand. And then all of a sudden, all these females are talking about this brand. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. It was pretty exciting. And it wasn't even the sales. The sales, the sales were great, but it was more about the impact that it made and, and the launch it gave us to then become a successful brand. Was that a success, like successful for the sales though? Like, yeah, it was. Okay. It definitely was so it as well. it definitely worked. Yeah. And then you guys sat there and went, who came up with the idea and said, let's do a thousand, but only Melbourne, Sydney. So Manny came up with the idea to, to launch with micro-influencers in the US um, at the start. And then I said, I said, bro, like Manny, why don't we use girls that we know here in Melbourne and Sydney and it will have such a bigger effect. Like, the US is such a larger market. To have a thousand girls post is not going to do anything. Whereas in Melbourne and Sydney, it's such a small world. Everyone knows everyone. Mm. So if you just get some of the same girls in the same group posting, well, then everyone will talk about it. And then he was like, okay, let's try it. Because he never wanted to be in Australia. He always wanted to be overseas because obviously it's a bigger market and, right. and so on. And we always we always knew that because it was Australian made, like we wouldn't have to spend as much money on marketing here. People would appreciate the brand more. Overseas is much more difficult. Um and then when I said that, he's like, all right, let's try it. And then that was what made uh, the Australian market become our, our largest market. And it's been growing ever since. And sometimes like little, like that's big wins, but like just from the idea to seeing people talk about it. But even that decision to that's go genius. Melbourne, um, Sydney, it's a, and that was your launch. So you've nailed Correct. your launch. It's so mm. important, the launch. Mm. Yeah, for nah, sure. I appreciate that answer, mate. That's awesome. Um, who's been the biggest, someone's written in, who's been the biggest celebrity or, um, that's that's promoted your product? Uh, I'd probably say in Australia, probably Tammy Hambrough. Yeah. We've, we've worked with her a few times. I think she's got 15 million followers. Wow. Um, and she converted for us. So she, she's probably our biggest in Australia. Yeah. Great. Have you had, um, not naming anyone, but have you found it difficult sometimes? So Tammy's obviously dominated, but then you get not Tammy's at the larger scale, but has there been an influencer there where you've loaded up and it hasn't worked? And then oh, multiple times. Yeah. yeah. We've paid multiple influencers five for $10,000 where we've had no sales from them, but you should look at influencer, influencer marketing as, as a brand awareness, um, marketing strategy rather than a conversion. Right. Because even if you don't make sales from it, people are still talking about your brand. You're still getting the product and the brand in front of millions of people. So I wouldn't have, I wouldn't say that it wasn't successful just as a conversion ROI, ROI based probably. Yeah. We've had multiple of those where it hasn't been. Yeah. And Customer surveys, are they something that you guys do? You, how do you seek feedback from, I guess, your customers? So now every product that we launch, we're constantly doing customer surveys, asking our customers what they want. And then when they tell us what they want and we then um, make samples of the product, we then send it to focus groups uh, to make sure that people actually like the product. So what we'll do is we'll send them two other brands plus our one, unlabeled. Oh, They'll wow. try all three. 
and then they'll give us their pros and cons of every product. One, two, three. Correct. Correct. That's incredible. Correct. That's so smart. And then yeah. cust in customer surveys, we're still always now emailing um, using EDMs to, to ask customers about their skincare routine, about what products they like the most, about uh, what product works for them the best, um, how often they're using the product. Because going back to your point about retention before, mm. You want to make sure that customers are using your products often. That way they're coming back and purchasing. That's also an important part. Um, like our clay mask, as, as much as it's our hero product, it's not a product that people use all the time because it's a heavy product. So they may only use it, we recommend three to four times a week, but they may only use it once a week because people don't have time anymore. You know, we're living in the 21st century. People don't want to wait 15 minutes for a mask. So then our other products like the serum and the cleanser and the moisturizer, they're everyday products. Right. Um, so thinking about that and asking your customers about that is important. It's brilliant. Great answer. Have you got any questions before I go to the last segment, Jake? No, I think I've, I think I've shot, shot all mine off. I think um, one thing that uh, I'm, I really like, though, about uh, Manny and James is the glass half full kind of perspective. Like, obviously, through the, the business model change around COVID uh, and keeping aggressive through that period, I think that, that takes some balls because that's a really risky, risky move that obviously paid off. Um, and also the expansion of products. Like from, obviously, you've calculated that to more everyday products that are critical to for skincare routine, which... Um, it's just fantastic to see, you know, young, mm. young entrepreneurs in, in Melbourne doing really well. What's next? You've touched on the products that are coming. We've hinted at the men. Is that what's next? Is there anything else coming oh. up? In terms, in terms of just a liar or in terms of more, business in general? More for you as well and, and the business. Is there anything I that's think, next? Yeah. In terms of a liar, we're going to continue just to, to launch new products, um, and hopefully we'll have different ranges come out soon in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. And launching to new retailers is, is the biggest key for the business now. Growing, um, growing UK market, Canadian market, Chinese market, they're our three biggest focuses other than landing, a call, landing calls. Like that's what we really want to do right now in is the that next the, is that the, months. Yeah. So if any buyers listening, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're listening. Who do we know from Coles? Yeah, I can lay them at no time. Yeah, lay them for sure. No, no, no buy though. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're definitely. I think that's our that's our next that's our next um, retailer that we would love to work on, um, and I think we're presenting them in the next few months. So that's awesome. pretty exciting. In terms of the men's, uh, that's something that we're working on as well. Um, hopefully that that will be probably launched this year. Uh, maybe the end of the year, November is, is the aim. And then in terms of other businesses, um, I really want to get into the, to the mental health space um, and, and the wellness space um, and, and probably going into the tech space as well. That's so, so launching an app by the end of the year is probably, is probably the, the aim. That's exciting, uh, mate. That's exciting. Yeah. It's great yeah. that you're going into that space. It's such a yeah. such an important space over the next five yeah. years, especially with what we've just gone through. Yeah. yeah. Um, Something that means a lot to, to Manny and I. Um, and even, you know, just with even the headaches and so on, like not being able to cope with the stress. I'm sure there's hundreds of people out there or thousands of, that just can't even, you know, I guess – handle everyday life, you know, other than just business. Um, so because it means something to both of us, we'd, we'd love to get into that space um, for females and males. So hopefully we'll launch something by the end of the year. Big respect. I just actually have one that you did ask me, do I have a question? I did. My, my sort of last question was, do you, do you have an end goal for Ally Skin? Like, is there, a, obviously, I know we've touched on the US briefly, but is there a, sort of a really clear end goal you guys worked or is it more day-to-day -day and growth? Uh, at the moment, we're just focusing on, on growth and, and profitability and launching into new retailers and scaling online. Um, I'm not sure if we'll ever exit, like we, we potentially will, but it's not something that 
we've spoken about now. If that if yeah. it were to ever exit, it's it's got to be after you know the next three to five years. I would I would suggest. Yeah. yeah. At the moment, we just love it so much. Um, and it's kind of like your baby in a sense, yeah, isn't it? Correct. Like it's a kid. Correct. And and a lot would have to change for for both of us to have to walk away with it, for walk right. away from it. Yeah. Great answer. Mate, this is where uh, we we have another segment from one of our sponsors, the old Rixies. <laughs> it's called Rixon and Retirement. So after the three to five, maybe 35 years, right, you've fucking cleaned up. You've cleaned up on all the things you mentioned. What's the one place in the world where you're there for you, mate, as Thank well? You. And if Thank you want to so take much. them back, we'll, we'll give them back to you. But where's the one place in the world you'd love to put the sunnies on and just retire? What's what's the with place? The, with the Rix eyewear? Yeah, the Rixies um, on. Dream, dream location. To retire, I would probably say LA. If I'm if I'm ever going to move anywhere, like actually live out of Australia, like as a serious question, a serious answer, would probably be LA. Is the only other place in the world that I would think that I would live in terms of to go on an island for a few months, maybe Maldives. Maybe Mykonos. Mykonos. I don't know, St. Baths or Saint Tropez. Yeah, we're oh, getting naughty but, now. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but to but to live to, but to actually retire somewhere, I, I think the only place I could move outside. I love Melbourne. Like Melbourne's amazing. Yeah. Um, the people are amazing. We're not snobby. I, I feel like we're the least pretentious city um, by far out of all the cities that I've been to, like the big cities like Sydney, New York, LA, mm. um, and, 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 and you know Europe as well. So, yeah, I'd probably say LA is the only other place I'd live. That's a great answer, mate. So if you see me in 20 years with these on. That'd be fantastic. And the last one we always oh, have. This is my dead. favorite question, you Tommy. Mate. Well, look, James, we don't ask for much favors on the channel, but- we do ask our guests this common question and we do kind of give them a nudge in hoping that they can potentially deliver. But in your perspective, now you've been on the show, you've, you've heard about the platform, who in your network do you think would be a really great guest for us to interview? Uh, in my network, who do or, I think? Or even just a thought that you might not even know the person, but someone you think would be a great podcast in business with. I think that if I can help you guys get like a, a senior exec, I think that would be pretty cool for me as someone that loves um, business and being an entrepreneur. I don't, I get more starstruck from meeting um, senior execs and CEOs than I do athletes and celebrities other than Drake. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, I think that's, I think that's what a lot of podcasts are missing. Um, if you can, if you can land someone like that and I've got a few people in mind that I could, you know, we can talk about after the show, but I think that's someone that you should you know, try and approach for your next Absolutely. Next this is show. the first one that he's given us a great answer without name dropping anyone. It's good. Keeps it open. <laughs> it keeps it open. It's great Keep feedback. the list guessing. Yeah, great feedback. Business. And it's someone great that feedback. you probably go talk to and, you know, the, the mentors. I don't think we've are, had a senior exec on the show. No, we haven't. So, no. um, and that's what it's all about. And it's, uh, it's what you want, what we want. We want everyone to, you know, listen to these people and learn. I, I must say, mate, like, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thanks, James. Before I wrap you up, thank me. you to everyone that's listening. But, mate, thank you so much for your open... Uh, for your yeah, honesty and uh, I guess just being so real and uh, there's so much value there for not only ourselves and, and Braden over there, but for all the listeners, there's a lot of people that want to start businesses and they don't know where to, they don't even know where to turn and there's so much value that come out of your mouth today and uh, really appreciate your time, wishing you all the best in the Thank future. You. Um, you're going to go on to do great things and I hope you sort that headache out, mate. I, uh, <laughs> so I'll, do I, don't worry. We'll get you there. We'll the, only, the, only the only time that I don't feel is when I'm at electric. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I, got, I think I've got a headache. I've got a headache as well. Oh, my baby. Shout out to There you go. Nah, thank you, James. Appreciate it, mate. And awesome. anyone out there listening, make sure you head online. The, the, the website is eliaskin.com.au. Check it out. 
smash those masks, look or after the skin. available in Priceline and Chemist Warehouse. Mm. There we go. Get Unless you're overseas, you're going to Superdrug in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. There, we there go. you go, That's episode it. seven. Aces and business, you beauty. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please feel free to hit us up on our social channels at Osmerican Aces. If you're entertained, inspired, or feel more educated, please share it with your friends and family because we appreciate the support. Righto, catch you on the next one.